0: good morning everyone I am certainly grateful to be back at the pulpit this day and Pastor Steve will be back next uh, on Wednesday for the business meeting and of course next Sunday to continue the sermon series today we're going to talk on the subject of when the going gets tough I'm sure that all of you had had a bad day can I say can I hear an amen maybe you're having a bad day this morning hopefully it'll get better for you. I uh, went into Pastor uh, Steve's uh, uh, sermon illustrations to find articles as I was preparing the message. And I found this illustration that I'm going to use to introduce my message. And I, it didn't have a name of the author or when it was written. So I even dare to say that it was probably Pastor Steve's uh, writing. So here it goes. A bad day. That's what it's called. You thought you were having a bad day Take a look at a few examples of people who had bad days. Number one, Troy Harding from Portland, Oregon, turned around abruptly when talking to friends and walked into the radio antenna of his car. The antenna went up his nose almost four inches, pierced his sinus. And enter into his brain, coming to rest in his pituitary gland. I have to Google that word, pituitary. I had no idea what it meant. Ouch. That's got to hurt. He did recover. However, how do you explain that to your grandkids? Edmund Scrivens, 48, found himself buried in solid waste. A truckload of stuff was dumped on him... By a truck driver who didn't see him, it took about 20 minutes for rescue workers to dig him out of the mess. It makes you wonder how long it took for the smell to leave. Now, get this one: Artist Susan Loris lavished attention to detail, even to the to the size down to the size of the belt loops, when producing the nine foot tall. 800-pound statue of Babe Ruth to be placed at the entrance of the Baltimore Orioles Stadium. However, the Babe is shown holding a glove to be worn on the left hand, when actually he was a lifelong left-handed thrower. Oops, small mistake, and my favorite. Near Kansas City, Missouri, 30,000 pounds of Jif peanut butter plopped onto I 70 from an 18 wheeler that overturned after hitting another truck. I want to see what the insurance did with that one. <laughs> now, not much time had passed since Moses responded positively to the calling of God. That would change his life forever and made him, according to most scholars, one of the most prominent figures of the Old Testament. However, he found himself in the middle of trouble. Yes, he was doing God's will. Yes, he was being obedient to the Lord. Yes, he left his comfort zone, living with his father-in-law, going to Egypt, attending and doing exactly what God has asked him to do. However, things didn't go as he expected them to be. In fact, the Bible tells us that things got worse. Pharaoh got upset with him, with the people of Israel. As a result, he punished them by by giving them more hours to work and less pay. The people of Israel, what they do? Well, they couldn't see God, but they could see Moses in front of him. So they went and complained against Moses. And in turn, Moses complained against God. When we read on Numbers chapter 5, verse 22, 23, which is our passage for this morning uh, Bible study. Moses, you can, you can see his frustration. You can hear his disappointment. It's just vividly how he... How he come and complained against the Lord. Let's look at it together. Exodus chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Moses returned to the Lord and said, do you mind reading it with me? Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, what? He has brought trouble on this people and you have not rescued your people at all, just look at him. Why, Lord? Why would you do that? Why would you allow problems to come in our lives? Is this why you sent me? And and how about you? Have you ever complained against God when things didn't go as you expect them to be? Inner human fallen nature, because we live in a fallen world. It is just natural to get disappointed when our expectations are not met. When, we, when we're sad, when we see that things don't go our way and tempted to abandon what we are doing when we do not see the results of, that we are expecting. I have a picture to show you. Uh, the first one, look, it's like how we picture life, the expectation that when God calls us to do something, everything is just going to Go flat, and we will enjoy the ride and the weather, and everything's gonna be. But reality is that life is hard, amen. And we will face just many trials, and troubles, and storms, and difficulties in life. In fact, I have another picture to show you. This is uh, going on your first day of school. But this is how sometimes we feel. In fact, I dare to say that people sitting in this room, some of us feel like this girl on the right, all dressed up. Everything is going well. But for some of us, we feel like the other picture. In fact, some people who begin to follow the Lord believe that Christianity is a way to avoid suffering in life. If we believe this, We will soon be disappointed. God never promised us an easy life. Amen. Not his purpose for us. On the contrary, when we consider the life of Christians, the first Christians, we realize that for them, following Christ meant the loss of material things and even dead. You may remember the the young rich guy who came to Jesus and and said, Master, I want to follow you. I want to follow the Christian life. And Jesus said, yeah, uh, how do I inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he said, well, do the commandments. He said, I've done them all. I've kept them all. And Jesus said, yes, you have. There's only one thing that you need to do. Aren't you glad for that? I don't know how many times you need to change. But he was only one thing just from reaching perfection. And he said, go sell everything you have and, and give it to the poor And then come and follow me. And then the Bible says that he just looked down. Of course, he loved too much his money. And the Bible says that he turned around and left. Sad. Disappointed. His expectations of following Jesus were not what he was expecting. And by the way... Did you notice that Jesus didn't go after him? That he didn't go and say, wait, wait, a minute, don't leave. Wait. Let us talk about this. Maybe, maybe you sell 50% of your possessions only. Jesus turned around to his disciples. Because sometimes we judge the quality of our relationship with God based on the tangible improvements that we see in our lives. In other words, we might be tricked to think that because we're doing good financially. Our kids are behaving. Our relationship with others are thriving. Our health is at the best. Everything is great. We have no money issues. Nothing is going well. Then we may be tricked to think that our relationship with God is good. On the other hand... When we go through difficult times, when our children do not obey, when they are against us, when, when we had financial difficulties, we're trying to pay the rent, make ends met with whatever little we have. Our health is deterior, deteriorating. Our marriage is going through difficult times. When we are afraid that we're about to lose our jobs or our health is not well, then we are tempted to believe that God no longer loves us or that he doesn't care about us. Or, like some people have said, he doesn't even exist. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God will not bless us with health, money, emotional health, physical health, etc. But what I am saying is that God does not always give us these things. The love of God is not measured on how good we feel or how many things we have. In the verse that we just read a few minutes ago, we may conclude that because God called Moses, Moses thought that everything was going to go smoothly. He was in for a nice ride seeing God's miracles after miracles and Pharaoh easily giving up. But when things didn't go as he expected them to be, we find him complaining against God. He was trying to understand the whole picture. It just doesn't make sense. Like some people say, if God loves me, why would he allow this come into my life? If God loves me, if he cares about me, why would he he let this problem come into my heart? That's the question. You see, Moses represents me and you for sure. Because one of the things that we like, even we like to, to admit it or not, is that we like to have control of the situation. Isn't that right? When we don't have control of the situation, when the doctor says you have this sickness and we don't have control of the situation, we feel insecure. We are afraid of the, of the unknown. Not knowing what lies ahead makes us feel uncomfortable, however. We must remember this morning, people of God, that Christ Jesus our Lord has called us to live by faith, not by understanding of everything that happens in the world. Amen. I see that Moses is dealing with four problems that identified. Let me summarize them really quick for you. Number one, Moses had the wrong view of the character of God. He had the wrong view of the character of God. Listen what he said on, the, on, on Exodus chapter five. "Why have you brought trouble on these people?" Did you notice that? He is accusing God of being the author of the problem of the people. He had an interpretation that what was happening into his life and the people is because God was causing the problem. We saw last week in the parable of the talents. God gave one five, another one two, and another one one. And the first two, when they came to Jesus, say, here is, Master, you have trusted me. They knew the character of God. But the third one said, God, you are a hard man. You are a God who causes problems on people. You are a God who doesn't love us. Moses struggled. Understanding the character of God, just as we do. Number two, he had a personal problem. Listen what he said. Why had you sent me? He's asking, why am I had to pay for that? Because of the load that he was facing, Moses allowed himself to become discouraged. If we are not careful, my brothers and sisters, the problems that we face in life with this attitude in our hearts... Can really, really bring us down. Listen, you will read that this is the beginning of a pattern on Moses' life until, praise the Lord, he finally came to a conclusion of understanding God's nature and then he will himself defend God by talking to the people, but he is not at this stage yet. He is at the point where he's questioning the Lord, and in Numbers chapter 5, you'll see him doing one of the most saddest prayers that I, that I think you, a human being can do. He says, Lord, these people are complaining because you haven't given them, all you've given them is bread. All day, all night, they are tired of it. Lord, if this is why you sent me, just go ahead and kill me at once. Jonah chapter 4, the prophet of God who was sent to bring the message of repentance into Nineveh? Do you remember? When things didn't go his way, which thankfully he wanted the people to die, and God is a God of mercy and love. When things didn't go his way, the Bible says that he said, The Lord, Lord, I am angry. Why did you send me? Go ahead and kill me at once. Elijah, the prophet of God, 1 Kings chapter 19. He was, uh, after he had beheaded 450 prophets, worshippers of Baal, and seeing the great miracle that you remember, fire came down from, he- from heaven and burning the sacrifice that he had just offered to the Lord. Jezebel sends in a, sends in a letter and says, Your God is certainly alive, that by this time tomorrow... I will have your head in a plate of silver, and he got afraid. The Bible says that he ran after seeing the miracle of God. He ran away in desperation. We do so many things that doesn't make sense when we let discouragement, despair come into our lives. And you will read that he runs away, and the Lord finds him, and He tells him, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" And he said, "Lord." Jezebel, no one worships you anymore. They want to wanna kill me. And then he prays, Lord, why don't you go ahead and kill me at once? Did you notice what he said? Wasn't Jezebel say that she was going to kill him? If he wanted to be there, he shouldn't stay. Why would he run away? She would have done it for free. But when we are in despair, we're saying things that don't make sense. When we fall into desperation, he had a personal problem, and he allowed discouragement to touch his life. Number three, he had a people problem. Look what he says. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on these people. Instead of focusing on God's mission, he focused on people's opinion. And this is true for many of us. We don't like to have friction and problems with people. And sometimes our marriage relationship, which is the most closest relationship we have, we sleep with the same person every, every day, every night, and, and our co-workers and even in our church, wherever we are, every time there is two people, sooner or later, there will be friction and some problems. But listen, he was, he was focused on the people, Instead of God's mission. And he said, Pharaoh has brought trouble on these people. And of course, he didn't say it. But the, the bottom line is that he was concerned. What would the people do to him? We all had problems from time to time. We will have misunderstandings, problems with a co-worker in our marriage, relationships in general. Like... A writer once said, I like this, hopefully I can pronounce it well. He said, to live above with the saints we love, oh, wouldn't that be glory? But to live below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. (laughs) And the people of God say, amen. (laughs) Number four, he had a provision problem. Did you notice You have not rescued your people at all. In other words, Lord, you didn't provide. You promised, but you didn't fulfill your promise. Wow. Moses had forgotten about the promise of God. Jesus said himself, God said himself, I'm going to make the heart of Pharaoh hard. He will not let the people go so easily. However, Moses had forgotten about the promise of deliverance. Just because he wasn't seeing it yet, it didn't mean that God wasn't working. Remember, God works even when we cannot see it. One of the the songs that I love is, you are here moving in our midst. I worship you. Remember that song? There's a part that says, even though I can see it, you are working. You never stop. You never stop working. How many of you believe it today? How many times we assume the same about God? Just because we don't see it yet, then we, we are tempted to quit. Moses certainly wanted to quit. He probably might have forgotten a principle. Problems can help us build skills to endure hardship. In fact, many of the great leaders in the United States and every everywhere in the world that are true great leaders come from dysfunction and families. Problems can help us build skills to endure hardship. Let me show you a picture of Dr. Kelly Lim. This is a great encouraging article. She beams as she announced. This over a cup of coffee at Starbucks, the story says. She digs around in her handbag and pulls it out. A brand new UCLA Health System ID badge. Her old one said, medical student. This one reads, resident physician pediatrics. That badge would entitle anyone to bragging rights but Dr. Lim, 26, has more reasons than most to be proud. When she was only eight years old, both of her legs, right arm, and several fingers on her left hand had to be amputated as a consequence of meningococcemia, a rare bacterial infection that almost took her life. During commencements at the David Giffen School of Medicine this past spring, Her father, siblings, and close friend Rupa cheered as the newly minted Dr. Lim strode across the stage in high heels, fitted onto prosthetic legs. Missing that afternoon was his Dr. Lim's mother, Sandy, who died during her daughter's first years of medical school. Her mother, who was blind, had urged her daughter, Dr. Lim, to never quit. And never let her disability interfere with her dreams of becoming a pediatrician. Raised by a blind mother in suburban Detroit, Lim went through years of wheelchair and painful therapy after toxic shock from the meningococcemia. That claimed her limbs and three fingertips on her remaining hand. Born right-handed, she had to learn how to write and work with her left hand. Hand. I hate quitting, she said. It's one of those things that is so ingrained in me. Intensely driven and focused, even as a child, she was valedictorian at Warren Michigan High School and scored above 90 percentile on the MCAT exam at UCLA. A stellar performance earned her the Joan M. Adams Award, the top honor for excellence in. Pediatrics, I hate quitting, she said. Problems are inevitable and universal. Everyone in this room has problems. And some, if you haven't, I don't want to discourage you. Get ready. At some point, sooner or later, you'll face trials. Trials. But they can do two things: problems can be in fact a stumbling block or they can be a stepping stone. and if you're a believer, a person who has been washed by the blood of the land, quitting is not an option. Amen, discouragement it's not an option for you because you are not alone. Let me tell you about. Different people in the Bible that will show us how to keep going when times get tough. The first one will impress you. Number one, be aware of the presence of God in your life. How do we keep going when the going gets tough? How do we keep moving when times are hard? Well, you be aware. Of the presence of God in your life. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse uh, 23 to 30. Probably no other man in the... Sorry, 2 Corinthians. Probably no other man in the New Testament apart from Jesus endure so much suffering like Paul the apostle. It's very sad for me to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The reason, when you read that, you will find a humble servant of God who had to defend his apostleship not only from the attacks of, a, of an unbelieving and skeptical world, but also from the, cool, from the cold and foolish members of the church. Who were looking for reasons to diminish his word and calling from God. Look how he responds. Are they servants of Christ? Look look at Paul. I'm out of my mind to talk like this, he says. I am more. It's like saying I'm even embarrassed to say what I'm about to say. I shouldn't even be mentioned what I'm saying. I'm out of my mind. But look what he says. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was bitten with rust. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I had been constantly on the move. I had been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Are you, are you tired yet? <laughs> I have labored and toiled and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked besides everything else. I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Then look what he says on verse 19. Who is weak and I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness The God and my Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. No wonder why would he say in in, in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. If anyone had a reason to quit, was Paul, is this the calling of God? Is this how God pays His servants? With suffering? Allowing cancer? Allowing tragedy? Is this the type of God we serve? What a tough question. If we don't understand the nature of God. If anyone had a reason to quit, it's Paul. Yet, he didn't say like Moses or Jonah or Elijah, kill me at once. No, he said, there is a reason as to why. So that I can boast that in the midst of trials and tribulation and my weakness, the name of the Lord will be glorified. Isn't that true in the life of this man of God? Isn't that the reason why we are using his life as an example to keep going? while you you are going through. Is for the glory of God. Remember, he was aware of the presence of God. The Lord was with him. He even told that to Timothy on the last letter, Second Timothy. You might, you might remember that this is his last letter. According to most scholars, he is about to die. In some way, somehow, he knows it. He said, I have run the race. I have won the crown of victory. I'm waiting for the Lord to crown me and say, well done, my servant. You have done well, remaining faithful. But then he said, everyone, everyone has forsaken me. Demas, loving the world, has left. Other people have left because whoever doesn't have Christ will quit when times get tough. Will lead the way. The perfect way, which, by the way, is narrow. The Lord said, the way of salvation is narrow. It's difficult. It's not easy. But look what he said. Would you read it with me? But the Lord, what he said, stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Could you say with me? To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord stood by me. Though my mother and father will forsake me, the Lord stood by me. He is with me when I cry. He is with me when I'm alone. He is with me when I go into trials and tribulations and temptations. I must be aware of the presence of God. The second story, it's interesting and it's fascinating to me. Number two, earnestly pray. Earnestly Pray. Believing in the power of God. If you have your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 12. You, you might read this at home. Because due to the time, we cannot read the whole passage. But please read it at home. It's a fascinating story. And in Acts chapter 12 shows vividly one of the uh, hardest times of Peter and the church. In fact... The Bible said, says that it was the time when Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Listen. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And then he saw it pleased to the Jews. So he proceeded to arrest Peter. This was during the days of an unleavened bread. Please, please don't miss this. Herod. Wanted to be good with the people who loved him because he was persecuting Christians. He kills, uh, he kills James, uh, James, the brother of John. And the people like it. So he got Peter, who was one of the main pastors at the time. And the Bible says, look, this is how the enemy works against the people of God. That he put him... In four odd of uh, uh let me find it really quick because otherwise I'm not gonna say it. Well, remember, I think in Spanish, but I preach in English today. So <laughs> really, literally, I think in Spanish, and so the Spanish will come out really here. Verse four, I found it. And he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering over over two four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to people, of course. To kill him Now get this. The Bible says that he puts him in four. Now one squad was of about six to ten soldiers. So if we go with the minimum of six soldiers per squad, we're saying that this man was put over 24 police officers. Not being that enough, he was changed from his arms, so he was not alone inside the jail. Two police officers where he was handcuffed like that. Did he have any way of escaping? Of course not. This is how we feel sometimes. That we feel we're drowning in everything. Oh, yes, I have felt like that sometimes. There's no escape. But remember, the children of God... Have the presence of God with them. And when God says enough is enough, well, guess what? Enough is enough. And because it was not time for Peter to die, the Lord said, "Um, oh, there's nothing impossible for me. When the Lord opens a door, no one can close it. When the Lord blesses his people, no one can curse you. When the Lord is by your side, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And the Bible says that at night, if you may read it, verse 5 and 6, call my attention. Let's look at it together. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer, please don't miss that. We're going to come here shortly. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, can you read it with me? Peter was what? Between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prisons. (laughs) What a different Peter. Did you notice what was he doing? He was about to die. They were going to get him out to kill him. Yet he was sleeping. What a different Peter from the one When Jesus was on the boat one time and the storm got up and he said, Lord, don't you care that we are about to die? Now he is about to die and he is sleeping. Psalms 4.8 definitely says it. In in peace I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety, even in the midst of problems. Let me wrap it up for you. The angel of the Lord... Came to him, and then verse ten says, "Look, when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened them, uh, for them on its own accord, and they went out and went along one street. And immediately, the angel left him. Now, let me exp- let me try to illustrate this for you. Peter is sleeping, not knowing what's going on. The angel comes and says." The Lord says, you need to be out of this place. And immediately the chains fell off. Get this. Without a key, the Lord opened the first iron gate and the second iron gate and the third iron gate for nothing is impossible to God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If he wants to heal you, he can heal you right now. When he opens the door, no one can close it. It is his will. But then he comes out. And there is, the Bible says that Peter runs into the home of Mary, the mother of John. Remember the one, the brother of James who just had been killed a few days ago. And he knocks on the door. And a a girl called Rhoda comes into the door and hears, who is this? Peter, the servant of God, and she's excited. So she runs inside and tells the church, Peter is by the door. Look what verse 15 says. They say to her, you are what? Out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. I call this church the earnestly praying church who didn't believe in the power of God. Did you notice what I it say? It's Peter there. You're crazy. It cannot be Peter. And then when she said, I assure you that it's Peter, well, the only logical explanation is he's been killed. They surely kill him. And his angel has come to visit us. Now let me ask you a question. Weren't they just praying earnestly for Peter? but when the miracle happened they didn't believe it how many times you and I have prayed lord you can do it but deep in our heart we doubt it number 3 and i finish with this open the door he has made the way. Also from our story, did you notice that in the story there is a four door that was not opened? Did you notice that? The Lord opened three doors, which by the way were iron doors. The angel of the Lord comes to Peter and says it's time to get out. And he opened the first door and opened the second door and opened the third door, it says literally in Acts chapter 12, that the door opened by itself. And then Peter is by himself. Remember, the angel has left him, and he runs into the house of Mary and knocks on the door, but no one opened the door. Question, why wouldn't the angel of the Lord go with him and open the door and let Peter come into the church that is praying? He didn't. He only opened three doors. But there's one door that he didn't open. Why? Remember, God will never go against his character. And there is one door that you can only open. In this case, it was the door of faith. When they heard Peter coming, I'm Peter. I come from jail. Rhoda should have opened the door and say, Peter, we've been praying for you. Instead, she comes and tells the church, we've been praying for Peter. He's there. And the church says, no, no, you're wrong. God cannot do that. And when she says, I assure you, it's Peter. They say, no, it's his angel. He's dead. He's gone. Yes, we're praying, but we don't believe it. And when he finds that when the church comes together and they hear, who, who is it? Peter say, "I'm Peter, the son of God, the the servant of God." They finally open the door and Peter comes inside. There's a door that only you can open. If you're going to trials, tribulations, remember God's presence is with you. Earnestly pray because there's nothing impossible for God. But remember, God didn't call you to get stuck keep going open the door open the door of faith open the door maybe maybe that door for you is the door of hope maybe is that door of trust or it might be even the door of waiting the point is he has made the way and this is what God says In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. Maybe today you need to open the door of salvation, the door of hope, the door of trust. Whatever you are going through, if you are a Christian, do not quit. Keep going. He is with you. May our hearts be encouraged today, O Lord, that we may be aware of your presence, that we may continue praying, earnestly believing that you can do whatever we're going through. May we open the door so that we don't stay stuck. Help us to keep going in faith and trust and believing. And in everything that we do, we can say, I boast in my weakness, for God is being glorified in my life. May I never quit or abandon the purpose that you've given to me, even when times get tough. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.